We're in this series called Who's Your One, and we're so excited, man, to be uh, going after the one. And uh, I just want to thank everybody this morning for coming out. My name is Joe Suro. I'm the youth pastor here at City Church. And uh, if you're here for the first time, allow me to be from the first, one of the first people from the stage to say, welcome home. City Church, can you put your hands together for all of our first-time guests in the room? Man, I'm so honored. Every time I get the privilege and opportunity to speak on Sunday mornings, I'm so incredibly honored. And uh, a couple weeks ago, or this actually, uh, yeah, a couple Wednesday, uh, weekends ago, we had a pursuit conference here at City Church. And man, we were just having such an amazing time with students and seeing freedom and everything. And, and actually, I preached this particular passage that I'm about to preach to you this morning at that conference. And so I'm excited to share it again to an adult conversation, uh, adult congregation because um, I think that uh, what this message pertains to doesn't just impact students, but it impacts adults so much more because I don't know about you, but it's really hard, if not harder, to evangelize in the workplace than it is at a school campus. Because as I'm talking to certain individuals um, that are actually here at City Church, and one of them was Michael Thompson, and, and as I'm talking to Michael Thompson, I'm saying, hey, how do you evangelize? How do you tell people about Jesus? Because the majority of his time spent on the job is in a truck by himself. So how and when does he have the opportunity to really go after the one and who is that one in his life? But when we talk to students about going after the one, well, they're on a campus filled with 4,000 people. And there's so many people surrounding them, and that's why we make it so incredibly important to preach uh, going after the one for students. But I believe that we need to preach a little harder or be more intentional when we are adults with sharing the gospel because it is harder to do so with your neighbors, and it is so much harder to do that with your coworkers. And so I hope that these next few moments that we have together, that, uh, that we can be engaged and we can be encouraged about going after who's your one. And my prayer is that when this series is over, that your mission does not stop. Because if we're not careful, we will be so on board with who's your one, but when, when the series is over, we will forget who's next. Because the person that you're going after, if they come to know Jesus as their personal and Savior, that's great, but then who else in your world also needs to be brought to the to church or who needs to be brought to Jesus. And so Easter is in 20 days, right? Easter's in 20 days, and one way that you can invite people is by taking invite cards. They're in the lobby. You can grab invite cards, and, and you can hand them out to your coworkers and hand them out to your neighbors and just make sure that they know that they have a place where they can feel loved. Amen? And then on your way out, if you haven't written the name of who's your one yet, please do so on the board. And can I just tell you that our staff prays over that board on a daily basis. We are praying over that board. We're laying hands on that board. It is not just for show. It is not just a cute thing that we're putting out there to tell people, oh, look at all these names. We are praying for these names. And not just the staff, but our prayer team weekly that's here, they're also praying for those names because we're believing for your one to come to know Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hey, look at your neighbor and say, I have purpose. Come on, everybody in this room has purpose. Whether you think so or not, you've got purpose. And as a matter of fact, this is the definition of what purpose means. It says this. It says, it's the reason for which something is done or created or for which something 
exists, for which something exists. So if you exist, that means you have a purpose. As a matter of fact, um, we can look at this table for a moment, and this table has purpose. It was designed with the purpose to hold water. It was designed to hold an iPad and, and this cool little thing that we're going to talk about later. And it was designed to hold things. It's, it's not confused on why it was designed. It's not, it's not confused on what it is and, and why it is. It knows its function and its purpose. It's a table, and we use it as such. And it's such a shame that the church of Jesus today is not fulfilling the purpose of why they were designed. We're confused on what our purpose is, and we don't understand what we're supposed to do. And, and you know, it's, it's even sadder to think that this table has more purpose in it than some of us in this room this morning, because the table is not confused to think it's a wheel or to be something else that's not created or designed to be. It knows exactly what it is. And can I just tell you in the room this morning, we should know our purpose and why we exist. The number one reason why we exist is to worship our God, is to give him glory and praise. The second reason we exist is to tell others why they exist. It's their purpose and, and the plan that God has for them. And I'm encouraged every single Sunday when my daughter sits in first service with my wife and I. That was her decision, by the way. We didn't force her to come in first service with us. She said, I want to be in first service. And if you haven't seen my daughter in the front row, she's five years old and she's jumping and she's got her hands up and she's worshiping and she's all out. And can I tell you, you may say, that's cute. She's five years old. I wish that some of us in this room would worship like we were five years old again. But we've been tainted by insecurities and we've been tainted by anxieties and we forget our true love and our purpose of why we were designed is to worship our Savior regardless. She doesn't have a care in the world and she don't care who's looking around. She don't care what song they're singing. Come on, sometimes we judge the experience of the Holy Spirit by what song is being sang on stage. Oh, come on, you don't hear me this morning. Can I preach just a little bit? Is that okay? See, we, we judge the power and impact of the Holy Spirit depending on what message pastor is going to speak that particular morning. But if we would just get in us that our purpose and our design of why we exist is to give him glory regardless of how we feel and what we go through, I wonder what our church would look like today. I'm wondering what our neighborhoods and our jobs would look like today if we didn't walk into our job with feelings of insecurity, but we knew our purpose was to bring God's love to the city one person at a time and lead them to be fully devoted followers of Christ. Come on, you were created on purpose for a purpose. You have purpose in this room. As a matter of fact, the book of Psalms says this in chapter 52. It says, I forgot, I'm not used to this being behind me because I preach on Wednesday, so I'm going to use this. Okay, here we go. I will cry to God the Most High who accomplishes all things on my behalf for he completes my what? My purpose in his plan. See, I believe 
that as Christ followers, we have real purpose. We have true purpose. Not Justin Bieber that has the purpose tour and these different concerts that happen. And listen, we have real purpose when we find who Jesus is and Jesus reveals his plan for our lives. That is when we find true purpose in our life. Amen? Amen. Hey, can I pray for you? Father, we just thank you. We love you. We give you praise. God, as we spend the next few moments together, God, I just pray you would reveal your plan, your purpose for us, God, through these next words that come out of my mouth that you have ordained, God. We give you praise in your name. Amen and amen. Hey, we're going to look at a specific person today uh, in John chapter 4, and we're very familiar with who this person is, and we're familiar with um, this passage of Scripture. It's the woman at the well. And we've heard it before, and I pray that as we go through this story, you would find yourself, um, that you would put yourself in this story as the woman who is at this well as we go through this and how she found purpose and then what she did with that purpose. Uh, Because let me just remind everyone, it's not okay to just know your purpose and then not do anything with that purpose. Because if we're not careful, we'll discover our purpose, but yet we won't go make a difference. And we won't go tell somebody else what their purpose is. And the goal for us and the challenge for us is that step one is discover purpose. Step two is help somebody else discover purpose. Who is that person in your life that you need to share the love of Jesus with? And so in John chapter 4, verse 7, it says this. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Verse 9 says this, the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Now, if I can just set the scene just for a moment, in case we don't really understand what's happening here, is, and she says it perfectly, but Jews were not to be talking to Samaritans. It wasn't ethical. You couldn't do it. You'd be considered unclean as a Jew if you did anything like that. How, and then even more so, if you were of the male persuasion Jew and then a female Samaritan uh, were talking at the same place at the same time, oh, you just couldn't do that. Aren't you glad we don't live in that particular society anymore? I mean, and, and, and I'm so glad that in this moment, Jesus could care less about her social status. She could, he could care less about where she came from because he was more concerned with what was happening inside than what was going on on the outside with her. And so I'm so glad that Jesus crosses all types of boundaries just to get to you. Oh, come on now. We're in this who's your one, and if Jesus is crossing all kinds of boundaries to get to you, what boundaries are you willing to cross to get to your one? What are you willing to do to get to that person that needs to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Because Jesus made it very clear on the cross that he was coming after you and for me. And some of us will not get a bump on our knee or a bruise on the elbow to get to our one because it's too difficult. When Jesus died, what are we willing to do to go after the person that needs to know the love of Jesus? Come on, there, there, there is, should be no limitations, no social status. It doesn't matter if you're lower class, middle class, upper class, white, black, white, Hispanic, Asian. It doesn't matter. Jesus died for all, and we should bring the love of Jesus to all people. 
no matter where we are. So Jesus crossed this boundary with the Samaritan woman, right? He crossed the boundary. And then Jesus replied to her, and I love this. Jesus is so amazing. Is Jesus awesome or what? Come on, is Jesus awesome? Listen, here, here's what he says. Jesus replied, I love this. If you only knew the gift God has for you. Whew. He said, oh my gosh, if you only knew the gift God has for you. Can I bring our attention back to the table before I move on? This table, because it has purpose, I trust it with my water. Because it has purpose, I trust it holding my iPad. Because it's not confused on what it is, I know that it can handle what I can give it because it was designed for that particular purpose. And the gift that God wants to give you can only be given if you know what your purpose is. If you don't know what your purpose is, God cannot give you a gift to entrust you because you're still trying to figure out what your purpose is. And why would he give you something according to his plan to fulfill your purpose if you don't know what your purpose is? I would never put my iPad on a wheel because it would fall off. I would never do that. Just as God would not give you a gift if it would fall off because you don't know your purpose. But when a person positions themselves to know what their purpose is, God says, I got a gift that I want to give you this morning. And then listen to what he says next. He says, I've got a gift for you. And who you are speaking to, you would ask, and I would give you living water. Now, it says, if you only knew the gift... And who you are speaking to. Do you know who you're speaking to this morning? Do you know whose presence you sit in this morning? And not just because it's this building, but wherever you go, his presence is with you. And every time you open your mouth, you're speaking to the creator of the universe. Some of us get excited when we speak to a celebrity or we speak to a president or we speak to somebody in high authority. Come on, we're not speaking to man's authority. We're speaking to God's authority, the creator of the universe. When we open our mouth and we say, God, would you? God, help me. You're speaking to who all made things exist, but we take for granted our conversation that we have with the creator of the universe. If you only knew who you were speaking to but then look at what the Samaritan woman says. She says this, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And the well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Now, now she came with a bucket, right? She came with something. And she could have said, hey, listen, I, I can get you some water for you, and then you can drink from my bucket. But she knew that she was unclean, and she knew or that it would make him unclean because she, he could not drink from the same bucket of which she provided. So she said, hey, you don't have your own resources in order to drink from this well. Have you ever, have you ever looked at God and said, hey, I really don't feel like you have the resources to be able to help me in my time of need right now? You ever said, hey, your rope is not long enough. You don't have a bucket big enough. As a matter of fact, it, the pain is too deep. There's no way that you can really facilitate what's going on in my life. And you may not say it verbally, but you think it and your actions show it. You say, God, you don't have the resources. And I don't, I, you know, pastors up there talking every week about you are 
this and you are that, but God, it's too deep. And I just don't think you have the resources. And what I say to that is God doesn't really need resources. He is the source. Like He doesn't need a bucket. He doesn't need. And so we want God to move in ways that facilitate us temporarily when he says, I want to facilitate eternally in you because I am all that you need. I am all you need. And so he says, I want to give you living water, something that is eternal and not temporary. And, and when he says that, listen to her response. She says, hey, give me this water. I want this water. Says, then I'll never be thirsty again. In verse 15, and I won't have to come here to get water anymore. Essentially, this metaphor that's, that's happening here is, is the woman at the well is coming with her bucket, and she's filling her bucket with temporary things that will satisfy her temporarily. But Jesus is saying, if you would just allow me to fill your needs eternally, you'll never need another filler again. You'll never need another raise on your job again. You'll never need another new car again because I will give you eternal joy that happiness will uh, expire soon, but my joy will be eternal forever in your life. And, and this living water also gives you eternal life in heaven, and I'll fill you with my spirit to be able to get through seasons in your life and she said but I came with something I came with a bucket that needs to be filled and and she's using this bucket as fillers and we talk about this all the time in church but the well can represent the church at some times and when we come to church we bring our bucket and and we fill our bucket with God and man, what a great word, what a great worship, and it gets you by for a couple days, and, and then on Tuesday, you're dry again. There's nothing left in your bucket, and, and, then, and then you come back on Sunday again, and, you, and you're at the well, and you fill it up again, and all right, God, here I am, but then on Monday, you're dry all over again. It's not sustainable, and, and I believe that a lot of us in this room, and hopefully none of us in this room, but maybe some of us in this room treat church as a well. And, and then when we get filled, we, it's, it's not eternal. And my dad made this illustration so long ago, and it's always stuck with me. He says, it's so sad to see the body of Christ come to the altar, give themselves to Christ. And then when they leave the altar, tears flowing down their face, they take a broom and a dustpan, and they pick up that hurt, and they pick up that pain, and they pick up that shame, and they walk out the door with the same thing that they walked in with. So what a, what a shame it is. But listen to this. This is so interesting. Because in verse 16 through 18, Jesus says, hey, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you've got five husbands. You've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the one that you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Jesus calls her out. 
Jesus goes beneath the surface and exposes what she's going through and says, this is what you're really dealing with. And a lot of us in this room need to be exposed to who Jesus is. We really do. We want Jesus to work around our pain but not deal with the pain. We want Jesus to work around our situation but not deal with the situation. Say, God, if I can just at least keep this, then you can do everything else you want to do in my life around me, but I need to keep this in my life. Well, the woman at the well, when she had this encounter with Jesus, this one moment with Jesus, look at what happens. In verse 28, she says, and the woman left her jar beside the well and went back to the village telling Everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I did. Could this possibly be the Messiah? The woman that came to the well with temporary happiness, with something that would only last for a short while, came to the well, but then she had a moment with Jesus that messed her up that said, okay, you must be the real deal. And because you're the real deal, she forgot about what was temporary, what was temporary, and she was filled with the eternal and then left it and ran back to tell others, oh, but wait, the, the author forgot this to put this in there. She then went back to go get her jar. She went back, she went back to go get it, and, and then she. Did she go back to go get it? She left the jar and ran. What is in your jar this morning that you need to leave at the feet of Jesus to then run to the person that needs to be brought to who Jesus is? And can I tell you, if we take our jars with us, we will never really be equipped in finding our purpose to then bring somebody else to who Jesus is. Because if we're not healed, if we're not restored, if we don't find purpose, how in the world are we going to show someone else the way? How in the world are we going to bring other people to find their purpose? It doesn't work that way. She brought who she was to who Jesus is, and then she didn't walk back. She ran back to her neighbors, to her coworkers, to her school, wherever she was. She ran back and told everybody about Jesus. If Jesus has impacted your life so much, we should be running to tell people the goodness of what God has done in our life, his mercy and his grace. But we don't run with a sense of urgency in the church. Church, this is urgent. This is priority. People's lives are on the line. And we need to run. We need to be about the Father's business and be so intentional and not worry about our self-reputation and not worry about people's opinion because lives are at stake and they're going to hell. And what can we do to cross some hurdles to say, hey, Jesus loves you. I tell my students all the time, if you don't know how to tell your story, then just tell people that Jesus loves them. Because what this woman did is she went to her her family and she told her story about how her life was impacted by Jesus. And maybe you're in this room and you would say, hey, I I don't have a story. And Pastor touched on this a couple weeks ago. You know, we may, we may say that we don't have this crazy story. And, and let me just share something with you. For those of you that don't know, my father um, 
was a drug addict for 20 years of his life. He was on heroin. Uh, he worked for the mob. He handled their money. He's had a car dropped on him. He's been shot in the face. That's my dad. You meet him, he's got scars on his face. He's had a rough life. He became a pastor about 30 years ago. <laughs> That's crazy. He got saved in a shower. He was getting ready to take his life for the second time. And he said, God, if you're real, I need you to save me. And he was saved in that moment in his shower. And he's got such an incredible, like everybody, wow, 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 right? You ask him today, if he could trade places with somebody that didn't have that type of testimony, he would say, in a moment, I'd switch places. In a moment. For the person that has the boring story, I was kept. I didn't really deal with drugs. I didn't deal with alcohol. I didn't deal with this. I didn't deal with that. I was raised in the church, and I've been living for Jesus my whole life. I don't really have a, a, an incredible story. That story is more incredible than the other stories that they fell by the wayside, and then Jesus brought them back because God kept you. He kept you. He kept you. Tell your story about how God kept you from those things and what God can do for other people in their scenario, in their situation, in their lives. Don't feel less confident about what God has done for you just because he didn't pick you up out of the miry pit. Out of, you know, the old school preachers, out of the miry pit, down from the pits of hell is where God got you from. It's like, I wasn't down in the pit of hell. Like, I was, down, I was up here on the surface. Like, I was, I was good. I, I was right here. Like, we are all sinners saved by grace, regardless if you grew up in a Christian home or you did not. You've got a story that's so powerful, and you've got to tell somebody about it. Somebody needs to hear it because, listen to me, you are the only Jesus that people will ever see. Sometimes you're the only Jesus people will ever see. John chapter 4, it then says this. This woman ran, right? This woman ran. And it says in verse 39, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe. Not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. There's something about bringing people to Jesus as the Samaritan woman did because we can talk about Jesus and what he's done for us, but if we don't have intentional conversations with people and invite people and continue to be on people about their salvation, they, it says here, they may not never truly believe. They're okay with you believing it, but they haven't believed it for themselves. And maybe a part of your story has impacted them. But this is why we're doing Who's Your One. This is why we're gearing up towards Easter, that we can invite people into a family of God that would love them, that would just absolutely encourage them, that they could be introduced to Jesus, even if it's one invite to Easter that could change a life forever. One life can change the world. And when they experience Jesus for themselves, can I tell you, they will believe and they will do the exact same thing the Samaritan woman did, and they will go tell others about their encounter and experience with a loving Savior. You know, I said this in the beginning, 
and this is my this is my last point that I want to make, but we are most fulfilled when we bring people to Jesus. We're most fulfilled when we bring people to Jesus. Sin, your purpose is fulfilled when you bring people to Jesus. The Bible says that we are to go into all the world and make disciples. We're to go everywhere and tell the good news of Jesus. You don't, if you're not a pastor or a preacher or a teacher, an apostle, an evangelist, if you're none of those things, which chances are you're at least one of those things, but if you don't find yourself to be any of those things, you are called to introduce people to Jesus. And that's a phrase that we use uh, in student ministries, introduce people to Jesus. You say, well, how do you introduce people to Jesus? You introduce people to Jesus by introducing who you are. Because who you are is the light of Jesus that will shine through you to impact other people. But if we have not been filled with the eternal living water that he provides, then we can't introduce Jesus to nobody. Because we can tell people about Jesus, but introducing them and bringing them is a completely different thing. I can tell you about my wife. I can tell you how awesome she is. I can tell you she's an amazing singer. I can tell you she's beautiful. I can, thank you, Jesus. I can tell you, I'll be here all three services because that one's going to happen every three services. Okay, there you go. Hallelujah. I felt the spirit on that one more than anything else. Jesus. I can tell you about my wife, but until I introduce you to my wife, you don't really know who she is. You don't really know who she is until I bring you to her and I introduce you to her then you can see for yourself because you believe me all right yeah she's beautiful yeah okay great awesome some of you have never seen my wife and you're looking at the back of her head like i really wonder if she's beautiful <laughs> she is if we had a camera here it'd be like bam she'd be on the screen and but i'd love to introduce you to my wife they're laughing like behind the curtain there that's great <laughs> introduce you it's so much harder to tell people about jesus when you have graduated high school and college. It's so much harder. You know, we had a, we had a tragedy in our, right in our backyard at Lake Mary High School a few weeks ago. And some of you are familiar with it. This young lady, her name was Shania. And Shania was 17 years old. And a few weeks ago, on a Wednesday, she took her life at Lake Mary High School. She did not know, at least we don't think she knew, the full love of Jesus. She broke up with a boyfriend and she was feeling very low. And unfortunately, she took her life. And you know, we, in, in student ministries, we push our students, hey, who's your Shania? Who's your Shania? Who is that in your world? Because you've got a friend in your world right now that's dealing with some issues that she's going through. And, and, we, and we push it and we push it. And if you see something, say something. Don't just sit idle because you want to know what really is the heartbreaking thing. Is there were students in our ministry that knew her and didn't say a word. They knew she was going through something. They knew she was dealing with problems. And they came up to me and they were crying on my shoulder said, Pastor Joe, we knew her, and we knew what she was going through. Maybe I should have done more. Maybe I should have said something. 
but I didn't. And maybe it's my fault. And then, of course, I console them. Hey, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. But adults in this room, hear me. You're not in high school. You're not in college. You're not surrounded by 4,000 people every day that you can tell. A lot of us are isolated in a car for eight hours a day. A lot of us are isolated in a cubicle for eight hours a day. We're isolated on our job and our office, and we don't have opportunities to really share our faith, so it's harder for us to do that. But can I challenge you? There's a Shania in your world right now. There's a Shania that's sitting across from you in your office today. This is not just high school problems. This is a world problem. Adults are dealing with depression and anxiety. They're dealing with thoughts. They're, they're dealing with breakups. They're dealing with addiction. And there's people in our world that need to be brought to Jesus. So we've got to be more intentional, adults. We've got to be more intentional that wherever we go and whoever we talk to, that we would share the love of Jesus with people at every restaurant, at every coffee shop, wherever we go, even if it's a simple Jesus loves you. Man, I, I heard a story from one of our, our teams. Actually, it was, it was Melanie. And she just gave a high five to somebody in the lobby a while ago. And just, hey, welcome. It's good to see you. And that one high five and that one phrase, good to see you, changed their world. And they continued to come here because they felt valued. Who in your world do you, can, who are you valuing in your world today with, hey, Jesus loves you? They need to hear it. But if we're not filled with purpose and if we're not desperate for Jesus and if we're not on fire and if we're not filled with his eternal joy and peace, we will never fulfill our purpose in helping others fulfill their purpose. We must first leave our bucket leave our problems, leave our guilt, leave our shame because there's others that need to hear the message of Jesus. Can we get over our difficulties for a moment? Because we know Jesus, but someone else that doesn't know Jesus has way more problems on their hand right now because they could die tomorrow and spend the rest of their lives in a place called hell. Come on. As a church, can we not just go after who's your one, but who's next? Let's not just stop. Let's continue this mission of fulfilling our purpose.